podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. Just before we start, I wanted to remind you that you can read our articles, explore more podcasts, and learn about our online personal and management development programs and workshops by visiting our website, www.worldofwork.io. All right, on to the podcast. Hello, this is James. And this is James. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. Exciting times. What are we chatting about? Oh, what are we chatting about today? Ooh. Well, it's another episode in our series on inclusion and diversity. Yes, it is. And we are going to chat to the lovely Neil. That's right. So Neil's from Changing the Chemistry. They're an organization that look to um, increase diversity in board membership. And they do that in a few different ways. Yeah, and it's important to note that Neil's uh, the chair of that organization. He has a day job. He does, He's the chief indeed. exec of another organization. But uh, given that Changing the Chemistry is all about getting more people involved on the board, it is probably pertinent to be talking to their chair as a board member. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Having multiple hats. Multiple hats, uh, which is everything that is sort of encompasses some of the challenges around being on a board. So, uh, yeah, really helpful conversation, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's a mixture of some practical advice for individuals who might be looking to get onto a board, as well as a, a pretty good discussion about what some of the skills are needed on a board and the journey to get to boards and the diversity or lack of on existing boards. Yeah. So the, the message from the all, uh, which you can listen to, is I think if, if you're not sure if being on a board's for you, you need to listen because yeah. he will tell you it is. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into that, anything you want to do for your checking in? Oh, check in. So <laughs> the clocks went back. So I, as, as you guys know, we record this a uh, few weeks in advance. The clocks went uh, back. This yes. day was a bit confused. The yes. clocks went back and we gained an hour, Ooh-hoo. but it got darker at night. So yes. now I wake up in the morning and it's light, but I, you know, it's, we're looking out the window and it's definitely dark right now. Yeah, indeed. Which well, I struggle a big moment, with. A big moment. Um, what about you? Yeah, well, a few nice things happened. I guess one of the nicest things is uh, at the weekend, my brother's still visiting, so got in the car and went out to the beach and drove uh, and walked up and down oh, the beach. Love a winter yeah, beach walk. it was lovely, yeah. Love a winter beach Working walk. up and down Portobello and out to East Lothian and eating cake and eating brunch and just eating and talking. It's and amazing walking. living in a cold climate, how uh, you justify eating various yeah. items to keep you warm. Yeah, when it's like a crisp day, it's just nice, isn't it? Yeah, right? I mean, absolutely. Leaning forward into the wind, walking up the beach, you know, it's nice. Do you know what? I'm sitting here and it's quite chilly and I'm thinking actually what I'd really like to be is somewhere sunny. So to all of our listeners who are somewhere (laughs) sunny, just take a moment, stop whinging about the sweatiness, stop whinging about the aircon, look around and go, aren't I lucky? Mm, Mm, I'm so lucky. Yes. Right, shall we uh, crack on? Yeah, enough of us. I think let's get into that conversation with Neil. Okay, so here we are. We're going to jump into the core of this week's conversation. We're speaking to Neil Stevenson from Changing the Chemistry, and today we're exploring how we can increase diversity on boards. But before we do that, Neil, would you be able to introduce yourself to the audience, please? Yeah, so I'm delighted to be here. Um, As you said, I'm Chair of Changing the Chemistry. Before that, I'd been a trustee for around four years. Um, In my full-time day job, I'm Chief Executive of the Scottish Legal Complaints Commission, um, which is the gateway for complaints about all lawyers in Scotland. Um, And I also hold the current non-executive role. I sit on the Council of the UK Advertising Regulator, the ASA. Great, that's an interesting background. What what was it that brought you uh, closer to changing the chemistry? And and what was it that made you interested in increasing diversity on boards? Um, So I think probably two things. Um, Professionally, I had an interest. um, About 15 years ago, I got involved in a big research project, tracking a group of people through their careers um, and really seeing some of the impacts um, that could happen in terms of career progression and salary around diversity. Um, So that got me interested professionally. 
um, but as also someone who's gay and came out when I was quite young, um, I suppose I had my own views on sort of attitudes in the workplace to diversity and wanted to do something really positive and constructive from that perspective as well. That's good. Um, in, in terms of what Change in Chemistry does then, would you be able to give the listeners, uh, I guess, a little bit of an overview of what your purpose is and what you're trying to do as an organisation? Yeah, absolutely. So primarily we're a peer support network mm -hmm. um, and our vision is around changing the chemistry in the boardroom um, so that both individuals and boards em embrace the concept of diversity. And we really try and achieve that in three main, main ways. So we're trying to encourage people to consider non-exec careers and give them support and information around that. Yeah. Um, we're then trying to work with boards um, so that they take diversity seriously, they see the opportunities in it um, and, and know how to attract diverse talent. Um, and finally, we then work with people once they've been appointed to, to support them, particularly in the first couple of years of their board journey, um, to, to help them be effective board members. Yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, that sounds like a very worthwhile thing to be doing. Um, we always try and start with the basics when we introduce new topics to uh, the podcast. It'd be really helpful if you could imagine you are sitting somewhere and talking to someone who maybe doesn't know a lot about the way organisations are structured and what a board is. And maybe just talk us through what is a board, what's their role, um, and what sort of organisations do they exist alongside? Okay, so there are lots of different definitions of a board, but I was trying to think about um, what do all boards have in common. So whilst managers run a business, um, the role of the board is to, to oversee that um, and to think about the strategy of the business, whether there are good governance arrangements in place and the overall performance of the business. Um, so boards are present in different formats in the public, private and third sector. They're there in, in all types of, of businesses. And really it's a complementary role. So trying to make sure that there is support um, and some direction being given to those responsible for the day-to-day -day running of the business. Okay. And, and just sort of to create the fullness of picture, there's also a little bit about responsibility in there as well, isn't there? So if you could just talk a little bit about what sort of responsibilities you take on as a board member. Yeah, so it's a really good point because we're trying to encourage people to consider boards, but you're right, there are always responsibilities that come with a non-exec. So in a commercial business, that's probably defined by Companies Act. In a charity, there are duties of trustees set out by a, a char the charity regulators. Um, so there isn't a real accountability there as well. So we want to encourage people to consider the roles, but they need to know they're taking on that real responsibility as well. And one of the things we'd always get people to do is research what the specifics are in the, the board they're looking at. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I guess the, just to round off that area, um, talk me through what the experience of being a board member might be like. What, yeah. What's your, what, you know, what is it you get, you join a board, you've been through a process, what's your next few weeks like? So hopefully in a good board, you will get an induction. So they will talk you through the structure of the business, the finances, um, things like the key risks for the business and the strategy for the way ahead. Um, but that does vary a lot. A good board will do that. On other occasions, you'll really be left to research that for yourself. 
um, and it's good to think through a strategy of what you need to research as a, a board member. And then uh, whatever route you come in through, you're, you're going to hit your first meeting. Um, you're likely to be sent a pad of paper, or increasingly now that will be online. And you have to look through those papers and think whether they're giving a complete picture of the business, um, whether they're flagging the performance and how that links to strategy, um, what questions you might have about the, the finance or um, the initiatives that, that the business is running. So you're working through the board pack, thinking of questions, and then you're turning up at the board meeting and trying to perform that critical friend role where you're probing and challenging, not in a destructive way, um, but to make sure that all these different facets of running a business are being considered in the boardroom and that the, the operational team um, have, have matters in hand to, to do all the things the business needs to do. And what's the relationship like then, I guess, between the board member and, and you yourself are a chair in one organisation and an exec in another. What are the relationships between chairs, execs and, and non-execs? So a good relationship, I already use the term critical friend, but a good relationship should have that sort of feel to it. So strong non-execs, whether in the boardroom or, or sort of in individual meetings, um, will be there to try and probe and challenge and get the exec team to think of different perspectives. Um, but you're not there to run the business. You're to try and bring an independent scrutiny to what's happening, but not run the operational detail of the business. So a really healthy relationship will have that sort of constructive challenge and probing, um, but ultimately be a very productive relationship. I think, you know, one of the things we talk about as well is when the relationships between a board and an exec are less good. And I think in those circumstances, often the challenge from one side or the other um, feels destructive. Um, yeah. It can end up feeling focused on, you know, very individual elements of what the business does rather than that sort of big picture overview. Um, but it's actually that, that sort of how that relationship feels is a key part of, of what you need to consider as a board member. Is it feeling constructive and helpful? Um, is it starting to feel something else? And do you need to take action around that? Yeah. So, so for, you know, boards clearly have a, a hugely important role to play, as he said, being that critical friend and helping organizations uh, move towards achieving their strategy. Where do you see the benefits uh, for organizations of having diverse boards being then? What's the benefit of having diversity on your uh, non-exec team? Okay, so there are lots of benefits. I mean, certainly if you look at financial bottom line, there's research studies in the, the sort of FTSE companies that those with more diverse boards um, have a better bottom line. So you can look at that sort of macro evidence base if you want. Yeah. But I think there's also some very common sense ways to describe the benefits. So if you're forming a strategy for a business, you want lots of different ideas and perspectives. I think most of us know in, in any setting the danger of sort of group things. Or, yeah. or just coming at things from one angle. I think, you know, customers of any business or public body are diverse. Um, so you want to understand your customer base. You want to resonate with them and look credible. So, you know, there's another benefit. Mm -hmm. um, and the same goes for your, your workforce. Um, you know, we're, we're all trying to recruit and retain talent. Um, the boardroom has a role in setting the culture of the business and making sure that, that values are lived up to. And if you've got a diverse staff base, but a very homogenous board, is, is that relationship going to work and, and mm -hmm. fit? Um, and, you know, 
I could go on, but you know, business challenges are complex in the world we live in now. Again, that idea of different ways of thinking and different perspectives are helpful. So there's a whole whole load of reasons I, I, I can talk about at length. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, sorry, so, no, I'm just I'm I'm interested in what you were saying. I I've I suspect that we could have a whole podcast just yes. on that because uh, I, uh, we've certainly we've started to explore that topic in the past and ended yeah. up talking for quite a long time because there's lots of stuff there. But I guess coming from your perspective, what I'd be really interested to know is what what do you think uh, just generally makes a person want to be on a board at the moment and what's stopping people from doing it? And then is that seen disproportionately in some of the underrepresented groups? Okay, so quite a complicated question there, because I think there's two things. What makes people want to be on boards? There are people, probably myself included, who really enjoy the challenges of running a business. We're quite confident. Um, we can be confident talking in a room and um, asking questions. And those are the type of people who often want to get involved in boards. And they can bring huge value, definitely. Um, but I think there's also lots of other people who can bring great experience to the boardroom and they don't necessarily have to be um, extroverts, um, they don't necessarily need to have been leaders and businesses themselves and in a sense that group can be the one that we're, we're interested in targeting, trying to get people who have great skills in specific fields or great life experience but wouldn't necessarily think of themselves as, as someone who, who goes into the, the boardroom. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think you started to touch on what, you know, what can you do to encourage people? I think, you know, part of role for changing chemistry, part of why um, I'm so pleased to be speaking on this podcast is just information. Um, a lot of people haven't maybe heard about what a non-exec role is or they don't know the terminology. Um, they don't think it's something they can contribute to. So actually like breaking down lots of barriers, um, a, a first key step is information then it's around encouragement and support and then it's maybe around specific strategies and help to, to assist people um, getting there. Yeah. So at the minute, I mean, you, you talked a little bit earlier about representation and, and touched on the fact that if you've got a diverse organization, um, but your exec and non-exec team are all fairly homogenous, so that doesn't feel, you know, representative of your, um, of your colleague base or of your customer base, where do you see that at the minute? What sort of levels of diversity are there on boards? I guess UK, US, um, you know, third sector, public sector, uh, you know, any thoughts on the level of diversity at the moment? Yeah, so, I mean, you, you can very quickly Google to get some of the sort of shock headlines, if you like, yeah. and I think they have a value because they make us realize uh, the journey we have to go. So I think last year in the FTSE 100, there were more people with the name David than oh, there were women that, yeah. or ethnic minorities. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. You've got, you got to love the journal who did that yes. stat, right? Yeah, um, you know, there, there was a look at digital companies. These are the future of the knowledge economy of the UK. Two thirds don't have a single woman on their board. Right. Um, or if you look at who sets our education, who uh, is setting policy for the, the future generation, 94% of school governors in England and Wales were white um, in the wow. last study. Wow. And that in no way- 94%? That's incredible. Yeah, just, just staggering. Wow. So, I, Sorry, I'm I in think, shock. 
<laughs> well, no, and you know, it is shocking. And I think what's worse is that, you know, the, the FTSE is being commended for looking at, at women. It's starting to look at um, black and minority ethnic rep uh, representation. But, you know, you get into other fields of diversity that employers have been tracking for 10, 15 years, like disability or sexual orientation, and you just can't even get statistics. Um, and if it's still seen as diverse, letting a woman onto your board, yeah. um, one can only assume it is worse for, for some other groups where there's no data. Well, and I, um, think, I think there's also a really interesting thing around, and don't get me wrong, I am deeply happy that we have protected characteristics as, as a member of two of them. It makes my life a lot easier and gives me an equal chance, but there are also characteristics that aren't even protected, like class, mm -hmm. for example, where um, where we can't even people aren't even asking because it's not even protected and therefore we don't even know. Exactly, and we've got intersectionality in there as as well. Um, people with with multiple protected characteristics and the complexity that brings. And also, I mean, I, I maybe should have said this earlier on, but for for changing the chemistry, we define diversity in a very broad sense. So yes, around identity, so those concepts of gender and race, but also around diversity of thought, experience, and lived experience. So yeah. this is people coming from different professions and academic backgrounds. Um, different life experience in terms of rural or urban, um, you know, growing up in the care system. Yeah. So when you think about all that fantastic diversity that's out there, our boardrooms just do not look like that yet. Yeah, I had a, I, 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 this is, I'm shamelessly stealing someone else's quote. I can't remember where I saw it and I'm really worried now that I might have seen it on your LinkedIn. <laughs> but I, uh, I saw the quote the other day from someone who was saying, if you're looking around your boardroom and everyone looks like you, you've got a problem. Um, yeah. And I, it was really interesting because we I was in a board meeting the other day and that board meeting has on paper got a number of people. In fact, it's probably every single person is from some form of underrepresented group, but they're all the same, they're all yeah. the same group. Yeah. And we had a bit of a moment where we were like, we're all the same age. We've all got the same cultural references and that's probably not that helpful given our beneficiaries run from 18 to 80. Yeah. So that's, that is so important because if you look, I mean, something I would really compliment, you know, the Scottish government had this agenda of 50-50 on boards in terms of gender by 2020. Mm -hmm. They've worked tirelessly at that. We've seen just massive progress. Um, and that is a huge step forward in, in gender and that affects a big swathe of the population. But I do slightly worry, um, looking at some boards I know, there's one where there's four uh, women appointed, but actually three of them from the same affluent postcode, um, three of them from the same university. So it's a great step forward in terms of gender, but actually the evidence base is that higher performance comes from different ways of thinking. So still progress to be made on that diversity of thought piece. Yeah. When, when you're um, engaging with people through the charity and, and speaking, you know, to the wider population, what sort of appetite is there for board roles amongst the more diverse people that you speak to? Do you get a sense as to whether or not there's a desire for these roles? What, what do you think stopping, I guess, increased diversity? Is there a pull factor, a push factor? So definitely there's, there's interest. I think, you know, again, if you look at where we've got the biggest numbers for statistics in terms of gender, it is absolutely not an issue that there is a lack of interest from when they're not sitting, uh, in sitting on boards. Um, there's yeah. something else going on. And again, we'd expect that would be replicated. But I think, you know, there are some things that are hard to change. Um, so in certain industries or sectors, the number of women in senior roles um, or the number of people from certain backgrounds, 
because you do have to have a certain experience before you go on a bigger company board. It's maybe yeah. different in the small charity area, but also just a lot of people talking themselves out of it or feeling that they're not qualified when they possibly are. And, you know, those are some of the myths we can bust by, by yeah. trying to circum- circulate information on the people from diverse backgrounds who have got onto boards and have gone on to have an impact. And, and how much do you think, and, and I, I say this as someone who's been involved in recruiting for boards a couple of times, how much do you think that charities and small organisations, particularly sometimes, sometimes the job description reads like a wish list, uh, which is lovely, but maybe doesn't make it clear enough that they're not expecting every board member to do every one of those things. It's much more about, you know, if you can fill one of these holes, that's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of copy and paste that people sort of put in a board description from another bigger charity they've seen. And that's a really quick way to work. But as you know, in recruitment, you need to tailor it. Um, But also, you know, what do you do to attract talent? Can you run an open day so that people can come in and see the other, um, how the board operates and and learn something about charity? Um, Can you offer board shadowing? So actually, you know, maybe allow uh, four people a year to come in and view a quarter's worth of board meetings um, so that they get some more context of how it operates because some people love diving in don't they and, and sort of activist learner but other people like to know a little bit more and reflect on how they want to approach something so there's so much that can be done to encourage people but it, it does require just a wee bit of thought and effort. Yeah. I would say I am um... I joined a board up in Scotland recently, not recently at all, it was a year ago now, but uh, time flies quickly. Um, but I thought one of the things that I thought was really good was they invited everyone who'd applied to a get, a get to know the board day. And we did like mini speed dating to meet all the board members. Um, and that was part of the recruitment process, but it was also for me, who was being really thoughtful about it and was like, I really want to pick the right place and I want to make sure I can make value. It was absolutely brilliant because I could see straight away here are the skills on the board and I have skills but they might be different and that might be a useful thing. Absolutely and what what a fantastic thing to hear about a board doing because with a staff team you wouldn't just pick 12 new people at random chuck them in a room and say make a decision but somehow sometimes we do that occasionally with boards Um, but getting people talking because there has to be an element of trust and knowledge about the people you're in a board team with. Um, so yeah, that's great to hear about some, some good practice. If we, if we think a little bit specifically about what you do as an organization, I mean, uh, how, how are you looking to change this? What are the, the main levers you're, you're looking to pull and how are you looking to increase the diversity on it? So the first thing is lots of information events. So running sessions where people can come along and learn what it is to to be a a board member. Um, The next thing then would be trying to to help them with some specific tools. Um, So we have things like a matrix of commonly uh, sought board skills. And again, as as Jane maybe alluded to earlier, trying to um, scale those. So say that if you're going into a small charity, this might be the level of financial knowledge you need. You know, obviously, if you're going into a FTSE company, it's it's higher. 
Um, so we've got some specific tools. A lot of it is also about hanging out with a group of people, a group of peers who are all looking at this. Um, so hearing what their thoughts are, how they've been applying, um, helping with that resilience piece, um, because everyone who applies for a board role will get knocked back at some point. Um, but if you're in a peer network where others are going through that as well, that can help you bounce back. Um, and also, you know, training on skills. So there are specific things like applying for a job that you need to take into account if you're applying for a board role and you need to frame your experience in a slightly different way to show that you're applying those skills at board level rather than a, an operational level. Mm -hmm. um, so providing training and support with some of those specific skills is also, is also really valuable. You said at the beginning when you were speaking there about, you know, the skills needed to be on a board. If we think about you know, the, the people that listen to our podcast, they come from a, a wide range of experiences and, and some of them are on boards already, but for those that aren't, what sort of skills do you think are relevant for being on a board? So it's a real mix and I'm always really nervous about describing this because you're you're trying not to put people off but there yeah. are some skills that are going to be really helpful for any role so a bit of knowledge on how to read a balance sheet and a profit loss account so not yeah. huge detail you don't have to be able to write the accounts yourself but to be able to ask intelligent questions but yeah. that's something you can train on or, or read up on um, you'll see programs for, for finance for non-finance directors that type yeah. of, of thing um, I think there's other skills like sort of audit or some knowledge of governance, which again, you can develop yourself through, through reading or, or study. But after that, a lot of the skills, they will want one person on board who is thinking about people and has some knowledge of that sort of HR people culture piece. Um, in a commercial business, they might want someone with a bit of an engineering background or a marketing background that's relevant to the business. So part of this is about thinking about your skills, thinking about the boards you might be interested in and, and trying to match those up. But I think an awful lot of people, if they come to us with a CV, we can help encourage them to think about where that CV might fit them into a, a board somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think that links to the number of roles. Some people think this is a very limited pool, but I think there's something like 20,000 charities in, in Scotland. There are hundreds of public bodies. There's lots of companies. So actually there are tens of thousands of opportunities out there if you know where to look for them. Yeah. And, and do you see people when they're making this sort of decision in, in their lives that they want to be on boards? I mean, do you see people starting a little bit in advance and trying to develop the skills? Is it a sort of managed process? How, how do people make that transition from maybe starting to thinking starting to think about being on a board to, to actually being on one so you can do that you don't have to and i'll come to that at the end but it yeah. is a good thing if you're interested start early and i guess i was very lucky that actually my first experience was something i'd been involved in at university and then on their board they wanted someone who was still a young person in that right. day um so that was my first experience of being on a small charity board um I think if you're, you know, if you work in a profession or an industry that has professional bodies or representative groups, getting involved in those sorts of committees aren't quite the same as a board, but can really help you develop those skills early on. And mm -hmm. particularly the skills of working in a sort of team around a, a table like that. 
Um, and there is also a build that a lot of people will have started with a smaller organization, whether that's a charity or a smaller business and, and built up. So there's definitely a sort of career escalator or ladder there, like there is in the exec world that you can think about if you want to get started early. But as I said at the start, it's not necessarily a prerequisite. So if you've built a good exec CV, you're later in your career and you're suddenly thinking about non-exec, there's yeah. definitely still opportunities there as well. It's just, it's how you pitch your experience. Can I, sorry, I just want to add one thing to that. Um, just to listeners who are thinking about this, if you already work in a small organization or medium-sized organization, badger your CEO if you've got a good relationship to either present to board, come to board, watch board, read board papers, talk to him about what happened, but whatever he or she is happy discussing with you, because for me, I was so far ahead of the game, which I had no idea I would be, because I had sat in 15 board meetings, even though I'd only been in there for like half an hour doing my report there. Yeah. And in small organizations, quite often, there is an opportunity to bring lots of the staff in. Like mm -hmm. over a period of five years as head of ops, I think every member of my team came in at least once. Um, and I think that's all, it, it, that takes away a lot of the fear. Well, it's demystified, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because you find out, firstly, like, run badly they can be quite dull and run well they can be brilliant meetings but also you start to understand you watch people and you hear the questions they ask you and you start to work out who's really read the papers who's really thought about it and who understands what the organization does yeah i mean i just think that's fantastic advice and i you know i love the podcast you did on personal development planning because there are also those projects or things that you can take on that are just going to give you some of that language and some of those yeah. skills so what you've described is always best being there in person you know things like you know doing the risk register for a project or, or doing the project budget aren't always the most exciting bit but actually really helping develop those skills that um are important in the boardroom so there's lots you can do and we actually use a board development planner which is like a, a personal development plan to try and get people in the network to sit down and think about this as a really active task of how are they going to approach their 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 board journey oh that's brilliant yeah. i love that <laughs> The other thing I'd say that really links to some of the stuff you guys talk about is non-exec and exec can be really complementary. So mm -hmm. if you're in a business that you love and you're getting lots of exciting projects, but you're not quite able to get into that boardroom tier, a non-exec can really help you build those skills and then almost help you skip a step when you're looking for your next promotion in another business. And I think, again, you know, I feel very lucky, but I don't think I would have made chief exec if it hadn't been for having non-exec experience alongside my day job um because although that business was very keen on development they just couldn't give all the opportunities i needed so if you're thinking about it early career is it something you're going to do separately to your career or is there that sort of um virtuous circle there in terms of building experience okay that's a great that's a really great yeah, shout um yeah. i've got a slightly different question um obviously some of the people that we listen to are also chief execs chairs trustees and maybe although they mean to prioritize diversity maybe aren't doing quite as good a job as they could be to actively promote the need for diversity and and i, I say this carefully because i know people are well-meaning mm -hmm. but you also get a little bit of people going well we that worked for us before so let's just go with that route again 
what are the things that you think small and medium-sized organizations can do themselves in their boardroom to encourage other board members to go out and find more diverse people or to be more um, focused on really getting a good diverse set of candidates for board positions? So great question. I think the first thing is you do need a bit of time and you need a conversation about this. Um, and that sounds really simple, but even getting time in a busy board agenda can be difficult. But I think you want to chat through things like what are the skills you have on the board and what are the gaps? Then you want to talk about things like your customers and your staff and think about the diversity that is present there and then talk about how that is represented on your board. Um, so I spoke to a charity not that long ago, delivering services to young people, every board member over the age of, of 70. Um, so a chair came in with a deliberate plan to try and tackle um, that diversity and, and get some younger people in. So use different lenses to examine your current composition and think about what you need. And some of that will be diversity of, of person or experience, um, but also have, a, have a, a think about that diversity of thought. So whether you're using something like Belburn or the Insights model or Cantor or one of these tools that helps you think about how people approach a project and, and think, that's also important because if you want a live discussion and interaction in the boardroom, you need those um, different types of contribution as well. So have a really good conversation about all these different types of things. And then, you know, it's back to basics. You need to set an action plan. It won't happen itself. So what is one or two places where you could advertise that you might attract a different audience? You know, what are one or two things you could do to invite people into the business and be more open? Is that shadow a board or can you at least record a talking head video to, to chat about what you do? But you need an action plan if, if anything's going to happen. Um, and I think the diversity space is, is often full of great intent, but not full enough of action plans. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, so let's take it back again a little bit to changing with chemistry. I mean, you're, um, you're a charitable organization. You do a range of different things. How, how can people get more involved with you? What, what types of people are you looking for? What support do you need? Um, how can people learn more? So in terms of type of person, anyone who's interested. So if you think this might be for you now or in the future, then it's worth finding out more. And that might be something you then park for a while, but at least you've got that information and you can grab opportunities that might help you when they're, they're relevant. Um, so what, what do people do to, to get involved in the organisation? You can send in your details through the website. And the first thing we do is set up a one-to-one -one meeting with an existing member just to chat through where you are and you're thinking about board appointments um, and what it is you're looking to get out of the organisation. And hopefully that leads to, to, to you getting more involved. And I think what we can offer is some of those tools I mentioned, some of the training, some of that peer support. Um, the information on how to frame a search strategy or do due diligence before joining a board. Um, but it's also just the motivation of being a, a part of a membership network, um, getting those reminders that you need to be actively looking if you're, if you're wanting to take up a board role and just getting to chat to other people who have their own exec and non-exec 
experience. Um, and we've around 400 members at the moment, around right. 160 of those have been kind enough to feedback that they think we have helped them. Um, I'm sure lots of them would have done very well anyway. I'm always nervous about claiming credit. <laughs> yes. but I think just that little bit of, you know, that little bit of focus and support is so yeah. helpful for all of yeah. us. And I know that. Absolutely, absolutely. So that, that's really how to get involved. What I'd also say is, you know, obviously I'm passionate about changing the chemistry, but there are other great networks out there as well. And I think with peer networks, it's always great to find one that you feel is a great cultural fit for yourself um, because you want to be enthused about this. It shouldn't be a chore. People give a lot of time to board roles. Um, yeah. So, you know, find, find a good fit for yourself. And in terms of how people can find you, what, what actually is your website? Could you let the audience know how to find you? Yeah, so it's changingthechemistry.org. So as simple right. as that, changingthechemistry.org. Great. And are you guys on social media or anything like that as well? Yeah, so on, on Twitter and LinkedIn, again, just as changing the chemistry. Or, you know, feel free to, to contact myself direct. But the nature of people who get involved in peer networks, we love meeting new people. Um, so if you can't get, you know, if you can't find us on the, the internet, then you can always uh, look for my own profile and happy to refer on. Mm -hmm. And in terms of like geography, obviously we're all based in Scotland on this call. We, we live up here. Um, does Changing the Chemistry support people across the UK or is it, what's your sort of reach? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Until very recently, we were Scottish focused. So a lot of our events are Central Belt, although we offer dial-in options, but we do run events in other parts of Scotland as well. And we've got members, I think, in all but one of the council areas. Um, but recently, um, we've had a, a fringe group start forming in London. And that wasn't something we had as a business strategy for the charity, um, but just people um, seeming to want that real peer support. So rather than network that's selling product and sort of running training sessions, more a community of practice and sharing of information. Yeah. Um, so we've been really excited to have a London group of members for the last year. And, you know, maybe that will reach out into other English cities as, as well. Yeah, that's exciting. Okay. And, okay. I just want to ask you, and I say this, James has been a board member. I'm, I'm a current board member, but I want to know from you, People are listening, they're sitting on the fence, but thinking, oh, this sounds like a good plan. What's the best thing about becoming a board member or a trustee? Making an impact to the way a whole organization works. Um, so, you know, that, that is the big thing about sitting on a board, that if you can achieve one thing that you think makes that a better business for the staff, or for customers, um, or for the bottom line, that is a fantastic feeling. And actually, it's really possible because uh, a simple observation or a comment from a different perspective um, can sometimes lead to, to great change. So you will have good and bad days as a board member, but the ability to influence a whole business is such a privilege. It can be so rewarding. Um, and we desperately need people from different backgrounds to be influencing our organizations to think differently. Yeah, that, that, that'll do it. That's a pitch. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I think that's us kind of heading to the end of our time. So it's just um, time for us to say a big thank you. I think that was really interesting. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will have a look at the website, learn more about what you're doing, hopefully reach out and engage. And, and hopefully um, through the course of this conversation, we've convinced a few people that they should make a leap and, and start to pursue this. And well, it's made me think I need to start looking for my second. Yeah, find another one. 
Great. Join, right. join the network. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, really I've, I've got my phone up as we speak. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. Great. Thank you. Good speaking to you. Okay, so welcome back. You're with us again now. That was our conversation with Neil from Changing Chemistry. I thought it was really interesting. I thought there was a lot in there. Um, and even though I've been on a, a board before, I found it a helpful way to learn. Yeah, me too. Sorry, the reason that uh, James I is was standing a bit smiley is that the microphone stand that has been a, an erstwhile friend of ours has yes. um, got a bit loose. And as we're talking, it's just leaning forward. Yep, it's just kind anyway, of um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really interesting. Uh, really loved the idea of having a plan. Yeah. Um, a surprise surprise with me but the idea of working towards when in your career and starting early and thinking about what that might be is a lovely concept yeah and, and the fact that there are different scales of um you know boards that you can be on for different stages in your career i think that's really important and one of the big takeaways for me was neil's reflection on the, the fact that you know merging to some extent the non-exec and the exec has helped him progress so you know you, you can learn a lot by oh, it's being definitely helped me yeah well, it's really useful isn't it you can have sort of parallel careers in your own time you can be supporting a board and growing and developing through that while at the same time using those skills in your data. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of the time people think that if to be on the board, you have to be more experienced than the chief exec and the other executive staff that are going to be in that room. And that's not the case. You just need different experience. Yeah. The point is that you bring a different voice, not a superior voice. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's that critical friend piece. I think that's an important message. And some other things that struck me in there were some of the stats. I mean, I love the one about, you know, more was it David's on the... FTSE leadership team than women. Was it David? Was that the name? I, I don't remember. know. Yeah, or I Michael think well, the one he was talking thing. about as well, really, uh, it is Dave. Um, the one that I really sticks with me because it is so striking around children is that 94% of school governors in the UK were white uh, that recently. It's a huge number, isn't right, it? Give, given that uh, realistically that is not representative yeah, of Yeah, the diversity our of our population. Yeah. Uh, that's quite frustrating. Yeah. So he's working on a great cause. It's a, it's an organisation that's trying to do some good stuff and, and help people along the way. So I think it's... Yeah, um, and I guess the reason we, I wanted to talk to him, and I know you, you were talking about this too, is I sit in a boardroom yeah. and I cannot tell you how important having diversity in many ways yeah. is in that room. Yeah. And I have worked four, two, three boards and the same has been true. Yeah. So if you think you can be a different voice in a boardroom, then you should definitely find out. You know, it might be talking to changing chemistry, it might be talking to someone you know on a board, but whatever you can do, I would I would strongly encourage you. Yeah, well, let's leave it with those words of wisdom. Let's, let's um, broaden the diversity Ooh. on boards. Words of wisdom from Jane. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. Hi, thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.